0: which is found in your pew bibles on page 423 is 1st Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Here's the word of God. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. This particular passage that I read this morning is is truly one of my favorites, um, and I'll get into that shortly. But today, as I promised, I want to give a little bit of my testimony of how I got to be where I am today. The reason for that is it's, it's a little bit of a buildup for what I plan to do in July in a sermon series. It's a little bit of a buildup for that. And also I know there are some people that are newer to our church that may not have known me when I first came um, here in 2015. So some of this could be a repeat, and for other, some of it I know is gonna be brand new to, to everyone, maybe even Tanya. So um, I'm not gonna tell you everything, but I'm gonna pick out pointed things that happened to me in my life and how they led me to where I am right now, and where I feel Lord is taking me from here. So that's why I brought this stool. I just want to make it very casual, sit down. You know, Jesus, when he would teach, he would read the scripture, and then he would go sit down. So I'm actually being very biblical about this. I don't know why more pastors don't sit down every day, every Sunday when they preach. But anyway, I want to start way back. Um, I remember living on a a street called Bunker Hill. And it's really funny because my... My grandfather on my mom's side used to tell my dad that he was the Archie of Bunker Hill, is what we used to call him. Um, We lived on a street called Bunker Hill. Well, one night, now, I guess I should preface this by saying, some of you are not going to believe this at all. Some of you are going to say, that's very strange. And some of you are going to be like, wow, that happened to me. Um, I saw someone, a figure small like me, I was probably four years old at the time, probably about as tall as me, standing in my house just for a brief second. And he said, Olin's going to go be with God. I didn't know who God was. My parents had, at that time had not told me about God. I mean, but in my mind, I knew that it was, he was talking about somebody up there. So anyway, I go to my mom and I say, Olin is not going to be with us. Who's Olin? Olin was our neighbor. Um, He and his wife really kind of took in my parents who were at that time in their early 20s. Uh, I think my, well, my dad was probably maybe getting closer to 30 at that time, but kind of took them in and really treated them well. And they were great neighbors, I guess. That's what my parents would tell me. But my mom said, what do you mean Olin's not going to be here? I said, That's what somebody told me, and so she went and told my dad, and my dad says, well, who told you Olin wasn't going to be here, was going to be with God? I said, somebody was standing right there, and I pointed behind our couch. Now, behind our couch was another room, okay? It wasn't like a wall, so I said, somebody stood right there behind that couch and said, Phil, stand up, and I turned around and looked, and he says, Olin's not going to be with you. He's going to be with God, and he disappeared, And my parents are thinking, what are we going to do? we got to take this kid to a psychologist or what? So, but my dad said, he said, God, huh? And I said, yeah. He goes, you know who God is? And I said, nope. I don't know who God is. He said, well, God is up in heaven. And God sent his son, Jesus. And he just told me all about God. It was the first time I ever heard about God. So my dad believed. My mom thought I was crazy, (laughs) but my dad believed. The next day, Olin died. He, his heart exploded, um, I think he had an aneurysm, is what, if I remember correctly, but he passed away. So my parents were very intrigued by that. How did you know, they asked me again, I told them the same thing. And we kinda let it go with that, and then it was a, a year and a half later, we moved to a new house, and they built a house. And that Christmas, I got this chalkboard, It was chalkboard on one side and magnet board on the other side. I was in kindergarten, and it had letters, so they were using it to help me spell out, to learn letters and to spell out words. I didn't know how to read yet, but um, that's what my parents bought it for, for me, for. And one night, I grabbed the letters, and I see in my mind, as clear as can be, I see the chalkboard, I see the white magnetic board, and I see the colors of the letters UFO. So I wrote, I put it up on the thing, UFO. And then I turned the chalkboard around and I kept writing, UFO, UFO. I was writing it on the chalkboard. My dad comes by and he goes, What are you doing? I said, I don't know. I saw this, UFO. He's like, Do you know what that means? I said, Nope, I have no idea. And later that evening, on a Now, there's nobody that's really, well, Kellen maybe may not understand what a CB radio, and Maya and Ava may not. CB radio is like an early version of a cell phone. We used it to talk to people that weren't with us, okay? So my parents had a CB radio, and they said a UFO had been spotted in our area. My mom goes outside, she looks up, and she sees something. She says it was not a plane. Who knows what it was? I don't know. But my dad says, okay, we need to talk. How did you know? I said, I'm telling you, I just closed my eyes, I saw it, and that's what I put on. From there, it was driving down the road one night, and I said, Grandma, it was with my mom, my grandmother, and my brother, you're not going to be able to go any further. Why not? There's a tree in the road. Sure enough, she goes around the corner, and there's a tree in the road. We had to stop. Now, it wasn't very big. My mom got out and pulled it out. It was a branch. She pulled it out of the road. But to somebody that young, it was like a, a tree. So, they're just all very intrigued like what's going on me i'm thinking what is wrong with me how do i know these things it was i didn't i didn't like it i was scared because as it says in first samuel chapter 3 verse 7 samuel did not know the lord the word of the lord had not been revealed to him that was the same with me that's why this is one of my favorite passages I was probably about eight years old before my dad really started to teach me who God was, who Jesus is. And all these things happened prior to eight years old. And this is what really kind of drove him to say, you know, he said he was going to wait till I was 11 or 12. He was basing it on the book of Luke. When Jesus was at the temple, he thought, well, that's the right time to tell them about God. But when all these things were happening to me, he said, I need to tell this young man about the Lord so he bought me books and we started talking and he would tell me stories and and that's how I started to get to know the Lord and these things continued I can go through a list of things Um, the one my mom brings up all the time is: I told my brother I said we're not gonna have a dad anymore and he said why not I said he's gonna drown and my mom's like well we were talking about getting a pool maybe we won't get one now they still did buy a pool. My dad did not drown in the pool, but he died of renal failure, and his lungs filled up with fluid, and that's what, when he took his last breath. So in a sense, he drowned. So this all continued for a while, and then when I was um, 11 years old, a really good friend of mine named Pete Tinney, he, he said to me one day, he said, are you saved? I said, saved from what? What do you mean? Am I saved? He goes, you got to be saved or you're not going to heaven. I said, hold on a second here. My dad's been telling me all about Jesus and how to get to heaven. And it's through Jesus. He goes, yeah, but are you saved? i went, I don't know what you mean. I'll ask my dad. So I go home and I said, Dad, Pete said I had to be saved. He smiled. He goes, yeah, he's right. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? What's this mean? He goes, well, I was going to wait till you were 12. I'm like, okay. So he hands me this track. Remember those little tracks that you used to get from people? You know, and it was uh, just about like that big, and it was about angels and demons. And it showed pictures of people walking and demons walking behind them, and then angels were fighting the demons. And at the end, and that was all I really remember, because I thought it was pretty cool pictures. But at the end, there was this prayer that you could say. And it said, if you really believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, say this prayer and you will be saved. So I said the prayer, and I believed it, and I really wanted to be saved. I wanted Jesus into my heart, and forgive me. And I was thinking about things, oh, I remember I told a lie that one time, and I remember I fought with my brother, and I'm thinking of all these things that I had done wrong, and I wanted to be saved. So that was my moment of salvation. That was not my moment of walking with God, um, I'll spare you some of the gory details of my college years. (laughs) No, I won't. Actually, I'll tell you a couple things because it it is relevant. Um, But prior to that, prior to my college years, I was about 13 or 14 years old. If you remember, if you read the book, 40 on 70, in chapter 28, um, the two main characters are talking, and the main character is trying to get the secondary character, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, so I'm not mentioning names, but he says, when I was 13 years old, I played with a Ouija board to kind of spark the conversation. That was me. At my grandmother's house, she's cleaning out a closet, and interesting thing that I never really understood at, this, at that time, you know, I was still having these visions but also had these feelings like something really bad was in the area. And I walk into this one room, anytime I walked into this room, I would immediately run through it because I did not like that room at my grandma's house. It was, you had to get th- go through it to get to the bathroom, and I would run through it because I hated that room. Well, she had a closet in there, and she was cleaning it out one day, and she finds a Ouija board. And she said to my mom, hey, let the kids play with this. My mom's like, oh, no, no, I don't know about that. That, that thing scared me when I was a kid. It, it actually worked. My dad says, no, absolutely not. They're not to play with that but we took it home, and it sat there. And then my dad, for whatever reason, I I wish he was still here so I could ask him, why did you let us play with it? He let us play with it. If you've never played with a Ouija board, don't. If you ever have, please listen to me, okay? Well, if you've done it, you know that, sure, you can get someone on the other side that actually moves that little thing, but... It moved, and it was quoting scripture. It was telling us things that were real. Never predicted the future, but told us things that had happened. It was real. It was extremely evil and demonic, extremely. And I got into it, and I played with that thing for years. Even went out and bought a new one, and I was trying to get other people. I went to a party one night where people were playing with it a Ouija board. And they were conjuring a spirit that called itself A-Star. I don't know if they were playing around. These were kids that I went to high school with. I don't know. But um, one girl ended up committing suicide shortly after that. Now, you could say it was all kinds of other reasons that she did, but did that contribute to it? I don't know. We'll never know. But I always wonder. They are not to be played with. They are, as it says in, the, in 40 on 70, sure, it's a toy made by a company. It's just a piece of wood. Physically, it's absolutely nothing. But it's what you are engaging, what you are in your spirit trying to conjure up, trying to do in the spiritual realm that does exist and is very real and it is, we are part of it because we are body, soul, and spirit. When you take that, you can make up your own. It doesn't have to be made by Parker Brothers. You can take a piece of paper and and write on it yes and no and put something on it and say, move. If you truly want to make it move in the spirit realm, some demon will attach and move it for you. But don't do that. Because after that, I stopped having these visions. I stopped seeing things. I started having nightmares. My parents were very concerned because I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night that there were black figures in my room trying to attack me. It was awful. And it lasted until my college years. And I believe that's what led to some of the things I did in my college years that were not fit for a pastor, (laughs) let's put it that way. But it was awful. I invited in the demonic into my life and shut down the Holy Spirit right away. Right away, shut him down. Now, did I shut down the Holy Spirit? No. Did the Holy Spirit say, I'm backing off? Yes. That's what happened. God backed off of me. Until I read something that said, you need, if you've ever played with the, this is the part I want you to listen to. If you've ever played with the Ouija board, speak these words. I renounce my involvement in the matters of the occult, Ouija boards, psychics, mediums, anything you've ever been involved with, say that you renounce it and you turn away from it and you want nothing to do with it ever again. And don't ever go back to it. If you've ever seen a psychic, if you've ever talked to a medium trying to find out what Aunt Bertha did 100 years ago, anything like that renounce those sins and turn away from them because until you do I often use this example if I get a speeding ticket and I've had them before (laughs) if I get a speeding ticket the insurance company can say even if I pay the fine and it's all paid for you know Jesus paid for our sins right pay for it the insurance company can still say I'm digging you because you got a speeding ticket it's on my record okay? Certain things will fall off after time, but certain things that we do that are on our permanent record, they never fall off. When we do things like this, they never fall off our spiritual record until we renounce them and turn away from them, and that is so important. Even if you don't believe me, please believe that, okay? It is so important for our spiritual lives. It will clear things up in your mind. It will bring freedom. And there's more, more to this that I don't have time to get into. And if you're interested, please let me know because I'll walk you through the steps to freedom. Because freedom is for everyone. Christ came to give us freedom. In Galatians, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. We can find freedom from these things. So. Anyway, I wanna move on from that now. It was a very trying time in my life with But once I renounced those things, guess what started happening? Tell a friend one day, I don't know what this means, I got this thought in my mind, D-E, skip F-G. And I saw like a, a storm. And this friend says, well, maybe hurricanes. And that year, Hurricane Dolly was not real bad but hit, was first named hurricane of the season. Then hurricane, I think it was Eduardo, I believe it was, or maybe Edward, Um, F kind of fizzled out. And then that year, I said, wait a minute, D, E, and F was missed. Then I spoke up and I said, okay, I looked it up, Gustav is next, what's gonna happen? Well, it just so happens that my friend Pete Tinney, that I told you about that led me to the Lord, was moving to Texas. I think this was in 2006. It was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in 2006. It was after um, all the hurricanes of 2004 that caused flooding in this area, and then we had Katrina in 2005, so I think this was 2006. And he's moving to Texas on this date, and guess what? Here comes Gustav, and it's headed right for Galveston where he's moving. I said, Pete, don't go. That hurricane's gonna form and it's gonna hit you. No, it's not, you're crazy. Pete moved in the day the Hurricane Gustav hit. He said, how did you know that? I said, I don't know, (laughs) I really didn't know. I I had no idea at all how I knew these things. I said, I don't know, I just knew it was. He He was okay, he's fine, he still lives in Texas. I'm going to see him sometime later this year, hopefully. So anyway, things start picking up again. And the whole time I'm thinking, why, God? Why are you telling me these things? Do you want me to pray about it? Do you want me to tell people? I had no idea. Until I met this one person who said to me, I had a dream about you. This was in the early 2000s. Um, If you remember back then, before Facebook, we had things called message boards. And it was very similar to Facebook. You would type in a message and people could read it and they could reply. And... I met met a bunch of people on this one message board, and we all got to be really close friends. Um, A couple of them I've seen in person, we're still very close friends, and um, some of them I've never met, but they're like some of my best friends. But anyway, she she says, I had a dream about you. And I said, what was it? She said, I was sitting in front of my computer, and all of a sudden it said, Enemy report. And I was like, okay, and she said, and your picture was there, and I looked around, and a bunch of demons were looking at your picture and saying, we got to go after this guy. And that scared me. i like, what do you mean? She says, I think you have the gift of prophecy. I said, oh, well, let me tell you. Now that you put a name to it, let me tell you what happened to me in my life. And so I told her, she goes, you definitely have the gift of prophecy. And she says, are you a seer or a hearer? And I'm like, What? a seer or a hearer, I don't know, I still, I know somewhat now what she was talking about then, but I don't really attach that kind of a label to it, but I kind of kept it to myself, because um, at the time, I was married, not to Tanya, and this person I was married to didn't want to hear any of that, no way, that is not biblical, that is not true, yet when I opened up the Bible in 2000, for the very first time to start reading it, by the way, I became a pastor in 99, read the Bible all the way through for the first time in 2000. I said, God, where do I go? Start at 1 Samuel. It was clear as day. And I went to Genesis, and I kept hearing 1 Samuel. Go back to Genesis, kept hearing 1 Samuel. I think God wants me to start First 1 Samuel. So I start reading, and I come across 1 Samuel 3:7. I went, oh, Samuel was being called by God at a young age. I can relate to that. So I read through the Bible and was starting to grow as a pastor, but wouldn't tell anyone, only a handful of people, would I tell the things that had happened to me in my life. First of all, I didn't think anybody was going to believe me. Secondly, I was told by someone that it wasn't biblical. But then I get to Ephesians chapter 4. For some he called to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Wait a minute, is that... That's New Testament, too. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I'm a pastor. So this must be true because there's still pastors, they're still teachers, they're still evangelists. I had never heard of apostles or prophets, but hey, it must be true. Then I get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the same Spirit gives the gifts to different people. To some, he gives the gift of prophecy. There it is. To some, he gives the gift of discernment of all kinds of spirits. To some, the gift of healing. To some, the gift of miracles. And he goes on and on and on. I'm like, so there is something to this. I'm not crazy. Still didn't tell anybody until 2018. I met, I come, <laughs> come to, this is actually 2017. I come into church December 2017. Nancy Hughes tells me the basement's flooded again. But don't worry, there's somebody cleaning it up. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, some guy just showed up. Started cleaning our basement. His name's Ian Thornton. And so I talked to him, and I thanked him. And um, in January of 2018, serving two churches, I was burnt out. I was ready to quit at least one of them, and possibly both of them. I know nobody knows that, and I didn't do it, did I? At least not right away. But anyway... I come in here, Dolores, your mom, Debbie, and Denise, says to me, come here, I have a message for you. I said, okay. So I sit down in front of her, the Lord has a big plan for you, and it's coming soon. I went, I step back and I said, can you say that again? And she said, the Lord has a big plan for you, and it's coming soon. And I almost started crying. Because I was burned out. I was like, you got to be kidding me. How? I said, is that all the details? You got? And she said, yeah, that's, that's what he said. And I was like, okay. And she goes, I wasn't sure if I should tell you. And I said, I'm glad you told me. You just really uplifted my day. I was having a bad day. This made me feel a lot better. So the next week I come in. She says, I don't know what this means, but Romans 8.25, or eight, I think it's 8.25, Anyways, what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. And I said, you told me last week something's coming, but wait for it. What we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. So it was two weeks in a row. So then, later that month, I get a message on Facebook. Hey, I'd like to, get, I'd like to meet you and get to know you a little bit better. It was Ian. So we get together. <laughs> we meet at Denny's at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. He walks, he's late, five minutes late. I'm ready, I'm standing up, I'm ready to walk out the door, and here he comes walking up. And so he walks in, he goes, hey, I want to I know everything about you. <laughs> I want to know everything about you. I'm like, I want to run away. <laughs> so we sit down, we start talking. He tells me his story, which he's told us many times. I tell him my story, I start telling him little things about how I started to understand, I knew these things, because I really felt like God was saying, you can talk to this man. And he said, what do you know about the gift of prophecy? I said, absolutely nothing other than it's in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, well, let's talk about it. So we got together more often. We talked about it. He explained it. And then I felt like puffed my chest out. and like, I'm going to go start telling people things. Big mistake. Now, the way this gift work, it works is it's not for the individual person. None of the gifts of the Spirit are for the individual person. They are for the edification of the church. But I thought, I'm going to use it to build myself up. And God shot it right back down as soon as I started believing that. But I don't want to get into that a whole lot today. I just wanted to bring that up to to let you know that um, that's the kind of thing that I'm going to be talking about in July. So that we can understand what the gifts are. Because I want to give you an example. This is kind of what I did. A real life example, if I were to walk up to you and I have a present wrapped with a bow on it, I said, here, take this gift. You don't know what it is, know nothing about it. If you walk up to me and go, no, knock it to the floor and you walk away, how's it gonna make me feel? If you did it to me, you're handing me a gift and I say, I don't want that. No, that is not real, that is not true. I don't believe that gift throw it away. How's that going to make you feel if someone does that to you? I'm talking just something, a physical gift you can hold. They don't want it. You're not going to feel too good, are you? Well, that's what God feels like when we say to him, I don't want your gifts of the spirit. He gives us all at least one gift. We all start with one. How do I know that? Well, Paul tells us in the Bible, but then there's this parable You've heard this parable before, the parable of the talents. One was given five, one was given three, one was given one. The one who had five used the five and got five more. The one who had three used the three, got three more. The one who had the one buried it and didn't want anything to do with it. What happened to that person? Big trouble for neglecting what God had given that person. Not saying they didn't get to heaven. We talked about that last week. They'll be in heaven. You'll get to heaven if you don't use your gift, if you're a believer. But why not use what God has given you? And each one of you has a gift that God has given you. Some of you know what it is. You're just afraid to talk about it. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And some of you are checking your watch saying, is it lunchtime yet? I'm almost done. Okay. How do I know that? (laughs) Because when God speaks to you, you start to understand when it's him. You get to a point, and that's where I am today. This is why three years ago, four years ago, I guess, four years ago, I stepped down as a pastor here because I heard God speak to me. Yes, I was overwhelmed, but I heard God say, after getting to know this guy named Ian, I want him in that church. And I said, God, what if he takes Brooks Run? It's the smaller church. No offense, Brooks Run, if you're watching. He, takes, he can have the smaller church. I love these people. I want Ian in that church. So I said, Ian, do you want to be a pastor? He goes, I was going to talk to you about that. And you know the story. Ian became the pastor here. I said, God, what do I do? I want you to leave Brooks Run a year later. Go, what? You called me to be a pastor, now you want me to leave? In that time, when I was not a pastor in the official capacity, I became a pastor. I wasn't a pastor before. I had a title called pastor. But God showed me what it means to be a pastor so that I can be your pastor now. And I've thoroughly enjoyed the last two months doing this, and I'm going to continue to do this for a long time because I know what it means now. Because he was speaking to me. I started to learn to understand his voice. Know when to speak, when not to speak. Know when to tell someone something, when not to tell them something. He taught me over those four years. So that I could be here right now to help all of you. So, you can believe me or not believe me. And that's fine. You can be scared. You can be wondering what's more. That's fine, too. There's all kinds of emotions going on, I know. But I want to say that God has a plan that he has not fully revealed yet for this church. At least he has not revealed it to me. Maybe he's revealed it to some of you. But it is good. And it is something that we're all going to look back on someday and say, you remember in 2022 when Phil sat down on that stool and told that message? And he said God had a plan? Just like four years ago when Dolores sat in that pew right there and said, God has a plan for you, he did. He still does. and He's got a plan for all of us, and it's good, really good. It's going to blow your mind. Some of you are saying, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either, but if you trust not me, if you trust God, if you trust that he does have a plan, Seek him out. He will reveal what he wants to reveal to you in his time the way he wants, and it will help, help you understand. But we've got to go through whatever it is that's coming, and he will lead and guide us if we let him. I will say this, I believe I can say this, that the time in 2022 is a time like no other in any of our lives. Some of you might say, well, yeah, but what about World War II, and, and what about all these other wars, and what about the the, the you know the economic crisis that we've been through? The time that is coming is far different. I'm not saying greater, I'm not saying worse. It's far different than anything any of us have experienced, and we have to stick together as the body of Christ, not just us in this church, but the entire body of Christ to know who we are, to be ready for it, and to walk in what God has given us. Because if we don't use our gifts, we'll gather in heaven someday and we'll talk about it. But if we do use our gifts, watch out world. (laughs) Because God's propelling it, not us. God's propelling it and it's going to be amazing. I don't mean to scare you, I don't mean to make you wonder, but just walk with me. Let me lead, because God's leading me now like never before. Remember I said, I know what it means to be a pastor now. I know what it means to have the title and to do a sermon, but now I know what it truly means to be a pastor. It's a calling from God. It's an appointment from God, and it's one of the greatest things you can ever experience in your life. But it's not the only thing. There are many gifts that God gives that can be the greatest thing you've ever experienced in your life. And you'll be able to tell me about it, and I won't understand it because I don't have that gift. But you will know because he's touching your hearts right now. So that's Part of my story. There's a lot more to it that I didn't get into, but that's what I wanted to bring up to help prepare us for what is coming. So, if anybody has any questions about that, reach out to me. Um, Have any concerns about what I said? Reach out to me. As I've said before, and I'll say it time and time and time again: Acts 17:11. Memorize that verse. Acts 17:11. The Bereans were more noble. For they took the words that Paul said, and they weighed them daily against the scriptures. That means to take what I say, take it back to the word of God, take it to God, and see if I'm off my rocker or my stool, or see if I'm telling the truth. Okay? Take it to God. Don't take it from me. I'm just a messenger. I'm human. I can make mistakes. But if God said this, he'll let you know. All right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for opening our hearts today to hearing your message, to delivering to everyone that you wanted to hear about what is coming. Thank you for using me, Father, as your vessel. Thank you for having these people listen and be guided by your Spirit. Now, I pray, Father, for each of them that are not only here today, but anyone who is a part of this congregation that you will indeed empower them with your Holy Spirit, that you will move in their hearts, that you will touch them, that you will lead them, that you will help them know, understand, and use the gifts that you have given them. Let none of them walk away from here today without being touched by your Spirit in some way that they know. Whether watching on Facebook, whether vacationing at the beach, or in the mountains, or wherever they are, Let them all be touched by your Spirit this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.